from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. On this episode of Newt's World, I just spent a few days in Florida at the National Republican Senatorial Committee annual gathering. I listened to a lot of people and I also gave a few talks and I began to realize that what's going on is so different than anything we've ever seen that it really does require, uh, I think, some profound thinking and maybe some totally new language. I started working on this in writing Beyond Biden, which is my new book, which is going to come out on November 2nd, because I realized that Biden is a weird transitional figure elected from a basement who, frankly, would probably have been better off staying in the basement rather than messing up virtually everything he's touched. Let me start with the National Republican Senatorial Committee where Senator Rick Scott is doing an amazing job. He has a remarkable team. They're very likely to pick up a majority in the Senate. They indicated states they're really looking at seriously to pick up New Hampshire's one, Arizona's another, Nevada's a third. They're two kind of long shots in Washington state and in Colorado, both of which I think are doable. And then, of course, there's Georgia, where Senator Warnock, the Democrat who is a radical, has raised an amazing amount of money out of left-wingers across the country. But he may end up facing Herschel Walker, who is in some ways the most famous Georgian of our lifetime. 
and who has a very wide base of support far beyond the Republican Party. So they're pretty optimistic that we have a good shot at putting all this together. There are a couple of states we've got to defend. Pennsylvania, where Senator Toomey retired, for example, and Pennsylvania will be tough, but the Democrats are probably going to nominate a really radical candidate. And across the country, when you see a Democratic open seat, what you're seeing is the radicals are engaged now in running, and they're going to have very tough primaries. In North Carolina, for example, which is an open seat that we have a very good chance of holding, the Democrats who are running are all so far to the left, and I'm not even sure the left is the right term here. They're more than just big government socialists. They're also people who believe in redefining America in ways that most Americans don't believe in. So let me back up for a second and just tell you that a lot of what I'm thinking is shaped by the American Majority Project, which is an effort to learn what Reagan did in 1980, which I was part of, and then what happened with the contract with America in 1994, which I clearly was part of, to try to figure out, can we create a majority that is so large that we basically isolate the big government socialists and move them out of power? This is something which Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher did between 1975, when she became the opposition leader. And she then went on to continue pounding away at socialism until about 1985, by which point she had so broken the moral authority of socialism, which in Britain had been a very long-held positive idea. An entire Labour Party had been built around it. And after she was done, it was so isolated and so unacceptable that no left-wing Labour Party leader has won the prime ministership in the last 40 years. Well, the combination of Biden and Harris Schumer and Pelosi may well create a similar opportunity for us here, both in the positive sense that we need a new contract with America next year, and in the negative sense that they are going to define themselves out of contention because much of what they're doing is either radical or just plain incompetent. And I know with this recent Kamala Harris television spot, where apparently the NASA bureaucracy hired child actors. Now, I want you to think about this. There are millions of young people in America who could be excited about space, but they don't just go out and randomly find everyday normal Americans. They hire child actors and actresses in order to have Kamala Harris pretend to be getting them all excited about space, knowing, of course, that the whole thing is a sham, that it's a lie, and that she is, in fact, going through a script for a bunch of people who have been paid to sit there and be professional actors and actresses. You know, you can't get that kind of incompetence easily. And I think it's actually more incompetent than Jimmy Carter. And I'm beginning to think that it's really a slur on Carter to suggest that Biden may be, as Ted Cruz said, as radical as McGovern is and as incompetent as Carter. He's more radical than McGovern, and he's more incompetent than Carter, which is a really dangerous combination. But we don't really have language to explain what we're up against. And let me explain where I'm coming from. Reagan used to say he wasn't afraid of what liberals didn't know. He was worried by what they knew that wasn't true. Well, I'm adding to that because watching now for most of this year, 
what has struck me is it's not just that they believe things that aren't true, but that no matter how bad reality gets, they can't come to grips with it. That their ideology is virtually like a religion. It's like dealing with people who are on some kind of religious crusade. And as a result, what you have is behaviors that are just bizarre. For example, Biden is on a absolute crazed crusade to force every single American of every background to get vaccinated or to be driven out of American society. Well, you can stop and say, okay, I got it, that he really believes it. He really wants to do it. However, he doesn't apply that to any of the people who are here illegally. So if you cross the border from Haiti or Ghana or Guatemala or whatever, you not only get to come across without being vaccinated or tested, you get to come across without bringing your public health records, you get to come across without bringing your criminal justice records, and we not only accept you, but the taxpayers now pay for you to fly or ride a train or a bus to go somewhere in America. And to the best of my knowledge, no one has tracked how much are we spending. I saw a number that suggested $80 billion. But the truth is no one is really tracking what have to take a specific single person or a specific single group and what are we doing with them? How are we paying for it? The whole thing's weird. And yet, one, they don't seem to get in the White House that having up to 400,000 people a month come across the border is totally unsustainable and is sending a signal to the planet so that now you have people getting on a plane in Port-au-Prince, landing in Ecuador, which accepts people without a visa as long as they have a passport, coming up through Colombia, crossing the Darien Gap, uh, one of the most difficult jungles in the world, coming through Panama, Costa Rica, Nicaragua, Guatemala, Mexico. And now you have thousands. There's one report, which I can't verify, that there may be as many as 60,000 Haitians moving north. And of course, every week, the airplanes arrive from Port-au-Prince with more people. At the same time, Africans apparently come in through Brazil. And today, despite the fact that Kamala Harris said she was going to focus on the problem by talking with Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador, something like 61% of the people who are coming across the border don't come from Central America. They come from all over the world, including Syria, including Afghanistan, including China. And they're just pouring into the United States. And nobody in the White House seems to have noticed it. Gallup has estimated with their world poll that there are about 158 million people who would like to come to the United States. That's about 50% of our current population. Now, I mean, does any reasonable person believe that's sustainable, that we could absorb that many people, teach them how to live in a free society, get them engaged in economically productive activity? And yet the Biden people don't seem to have figured out that when you send the word that the border's open, there are a lot of people willing to come and play with you. So that's one example. A second example, the Bernie Sanders big government socialism bill has in a section that Sanders had rolled the Protecting the Right to Organize Act into that bill. Now, Protecting the Right to Organize Act repeals, for all practical purposes, the right to work laws that 27 different states have enacted that stop unions from requiring employees to pay dues or fees. Now, right to work has been a very deep issue in American politics. 
Those 27 states, my guess is 23 or 24 of them have huge majorities. There's so much bad stuff in that bill that spends somewhere between three and a half trillion, five and a half trillion. I mean, the truth is nobody really knows, but it's huge. Bernie Sanders himself has said, this is a bill that will rival Franklin Roosevelt's New Deal. It'll be bigger than Lyndon Johnson's Great Society. It fits Joe Biden's desire to be the most radical president in history, which I would never have guessed. I've known Joe Biden for a very long time, and I thought he was sort of a moderate liberal from Delaware. But it turns out that deep down, he's always wanted to be a historic figure who radically changed America. And this is his moment to be historic. So this bill, which has just tons of bad stuff in it, also means that we're going to ask Democratic senators from states that have right-to-work laws to vote for a bill, one feature of which, only one feature, remember there are many features in this bill, one feature of which is repealing the right-to-work laws. And that will be an enormous change. Biden himself has said, quote, we should change the federal law so there is no right to work allowed anywhere in the country. For real, not a joke, close quote. Kamala Harris said, quote, it has to be about, for example, banning right-to-work laws. That needs to happen, close quote. Now, that whole issue is just now beginning to bubble up. And the danger for the left is the longer they keep these things out there, the worse it's going to get. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. But let me go back to this problem of language. What are the words to explain 
a president and an administration which rejects all of the military advice for Afghanistan, gives up our major airfield, which is an hour away from China, and then tries to evacuate when we no longer have air power, and then has a total disaster, and then claims everything went terrifically. They seem to have learned nothing, and yet all three of the top military people dealing with this, the Secretary of Defense, the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, and the Commander of the Central Command, all three have said that they told the President that this was going to be a big, big, big problem. The President claims he never heard it, which either is a sign, A, he's lying, or B, that he just forgot, which would frankly be a little more frightening than if he remembered but was lying. I mean, the idea of having a Commander-in-Chief who forgets advice from his top three military advisors is not very encouraging. I have talked with former Secretary of State Pompeo. We did a podcast with General Kellogg, who had been on the national security team for the entire Trump presidency. I talked with Robert O'Brien, who'd been the national security advisor. I talked with Vice President Pence, and I talked with President Trump. Every single one of them says that we had an agreement that would have worked, that we were going to keep Bagram Airfield, not so much for Afghanistan, but because it is extraordinarily close to the Chinese nuclear testing facilities and is a very important asset in the long-term contest with China, and that not a single American had been killed in the period that the president had been talking with the Taliban, which is about a year and a half. So President Trump had a track record of not getting anyone killed. Biden, through total incompetence, gets 13 Americans killed who are in uniform. Other Americans are badly wounded. And there's no sign that they learned anything. So you keep going down this road of what's going on. A similar example is what's now happening with supplies. There are at least 60 ships sitting off of Long Beach Harbor. And the problem with the ships is not how to get them unloaded. The problem is that the port's totally jammed up because there are no truck drivers. So exactly what people warned about, you give people enough money, they quit going to work. And if your choice is to be on the road as a truck driver or to just take another federal check, surprisingly, maybe not surprisingly, large number of people, they're not going to go to work. And the result is that you have a supply chain which people now believe may stay screwed up until next summer because it is such a total mess. Well, that has other secondary effects. It means that if you're trying to build a house or if you're trying to remodel a house, if you're trying to buy a car, if you want to get Christmas gifts, over and over again, this is a huge problem. Now, it explains why Kamala Harris, when she was in Vietnam, had this strange moment when she was being interviewed. And she said, this was in September, people had better buy Christmas gifts now because if they wait, they're not going to be able to get them. And people thought that was a weird thing to say. But apparently she had been briefed in Vietnam on how bad the logistics supply chain was screwed up and sort of, you know, burbled it out without any kind of thinking or planning. Now they are telling us, in typical Biden White House dishonesty, that they, in fact, have been working on this problem since January. Well, if they have, that would be an even worse warning because it's gotten worse since January, not better. If this is what they think of as working, we have a really deep problem here. And, of course, Biden is trapped because... He has to basically pay close attention to the Longshoremen's Union 
and the Teamsters. The Longshoremen's Union dominates getting freight off of ships and onto trucks and trains, and the Teamsters dominate unionized trucking. So he can't be for a maximum use of entrepreneurship and innovation and new truckers who don't belong to the union, etc. So you're seeing the whole system slow down. And that, of course, leads both to fewer things happening that are positive, but it also means you're moving towards more inflation because the Federal Reserve keeps pouring money into the system. And here's what the problem turns out to be. If you put enough money in without goods and services, the price of each good or service goes up. And so you begin to find yourself in a situation where prices begin to rise because there aren't enough things to buy and you have too much money flooding into the system. Well, virtually every central bank in the world is now part of this kind of a game. And the result has been that we're seeing the beginning of, I think, significant inflation. And if you think of it as the Biden inflation tax, it helps you understand how they intend to pay off a lot of the debt. They're just going to lower the value of the dollar. And so while you may owe a lot more money, the value of the money is going to go down. In some specific areas, the Wall Street Journal reported, for example, that beef prices are up 17% over the last 12 months. Fresh fish and seafood are up 10%. Energy is up 24%, almost 25% over the last few months. And the government has now come out. And the official United States Energy Administration, which monitors energy, has warned that you may pay up to 54% more to heat your house this winter than you paid last year. Now, if you're a poor person, if you live in New Hampshire, which is one of the places we'll be having a center race next year, and you're suddenly told that heating oil is going to be, let's say, 45 or 50% more expensive, and that this is part of the Biden administration failure, I think, one, it means that Senator Hassan is probably going to get defeated because she's already very weak and people are going to blame her for the prices. But two, it's going to be a sign that this is an administration that simply can't get things done. And what I've been trying to do, I mean, I understand the idea that they're radicals. I understand the idea that they really want to change America. And I understand the notion that they're for big government socialism. What I don't understand and what I don't have language for is how can you see all of these things going on and not rethink your programs? I mean, if you care about the poor, then this kind of inflation just kills them. If you care about the long-term economy so that there are jobs for people who have limited income, these kind of programs just kill them because the jobs don't exist. And so what you have is a system where their approach is not working in Afghanistan. Their approach is not working on the border. Their approach is not working with the economy. You look at education. The entire Democratic Party is owned by the teachers union. You basically have two groups. You have schools that literally don't function, such as the Baltimore City Schools, where there are five school buildings in which no one has passed a state exam. Not a single student has passed a state exam, leading you to wonder why we call them schools. And those are the sort of incompetent schools. And then you have schools that sort of work, although the American test scores have dropped pretty dramatically in the last few years. And in the schools that sort of work, you're ending up in a situation where they're into brainwashing. That's a major part of what's going on, that you have to recognize 
that we're dealing with, I think, a system in which it turns out, for example, in education, that in the nationwide math score by 13-year-olds, they've actually dropped by about five points, which is the first time in history that these scores dropped. So after all the money we put in, after all the teacher pay raises, after all the talk about trying to get to excellence, in the 50-year history of the test, we've never before seen a drop in proficiency in math. And of course, as you know, it's also had a drop in reading. In places like Oregon, they're now passing laws that say, we're not going to test anybody. So their answer to the fact that poor children are more likely to do badly is to have everybody do equally, no matter what they do, which of course means nobody will learn anything about achievement. They won't learn anything about doing homework. They won't learn anything about being able to do math or being able to read. And then they'll go out into the job market and they'll show up and they won't be able to do anything. And then the left will wonder, well, gee, why is this capitalist system not taking care of all these people who we have failed totally in the schools? And that will then lead to even more welfare, even higher taxes, which gets you back to where we are today. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. What's fascinating about all this in terms of what happens the next few years is We saw with Reagan and again with Trump that if you cut taxes dramatically and if you cut regulation and modernize regulation, 
you in fact create a very pro-jobs, very pro-economic growth, and very pro-income growth environment. So that by February of 2020, we had the lowest black unemployment in history. We had the lowest Hispanic unemployment in 50 years. People were getting jobs and they're getting paid more. Because of the rate of economic growth, people at the bottom actually were getting bigger pay raises than people at the top and their incomes were starting to go up. All of that has now been changed as the Biden, Harris, Schumer, Pelosi team try desperately to raise taxes, to increase regulations, and they seem surprised that that then kills jobs. And you have to sort of ask, you know, what did they think would happen? So they show weakness in foreign policy, and that's going to lead presently to predatory countries seeking to take advantage of us, particularly starting with the survival of Taiwan, where the Chinese dictatorship has to believe that these people, the Biden team, is not capable of keeping its word in defending Taiwan, given what they did in Afghanistan. That includes Russia, which is being very aggressive in Europe. I mean, whatever energy price increases, we're going to see, the Europeans are going to see dramatically higher energy price increases. So whether you're at home or abroad, whether you're failing to defend the border, failing to educate children, failing to create jobs, failing to unload ships, every time you turn around, the Biden administration is increasingly an administration of failure. And its reaction to that is to double down. So watching big government fail, the Bernie Sanders big government socialist answer is, if only we had twice as much government. And this is particularly ironic because the fact is that Gallup has discovered once again that Americans prefer smaller government. This is, by the way, not new. Gallup has been asking this question for many years. 52% of the country says government is doing too many things that should be left to individuals in business. 43% want government to do more to solve the country's problems. Last year was only the second time in the history of taking this question, which they've been taking since 1992, that people wanted bigger government. Shortly after 9-11, they wanted bigger government for about a year. And then shortly after the COVID epidemic, they wanted bigger government for about a year. But even after 9-11, it was only a 50% for bigger government, and last year it was 54%. All the rest of the time, since 1992, consistently, something between 61% and 55% have said they want smaller government. And it's in that setting that you have Pelosi and Schumer trying to ram through a bill to massively increase the government, which Bernie Sanders goes around and publicly talks about, as this is going to be a great approach Democrats tend to be more in favor of big government, but even among Democrats, there is a substantial group who just think this is way too big. A quarter of all Democrats believe that government's doing way too much. 57% of independents think government's doing way too much, and 80% of Republicans think government's doing way too much. The country actually prefers lower taxes and less government. And of course, you have a $3 trillion tax increase attached to the three and a half to five and a half trillion dollars spending increase in the big government socialist bill. So you really have, I think, a remarkable moment here where the country is in one direction and the radical elites are in another direction. And of course, with things like the attorney general saying he's going to use the FBI to investigate parents who are 
inappropriately aggressive, meaning they exercise their free speech rights under the First Amendment. Domestic terrorism by parents at school board meetings is now a major FBI concern. You could be concerned about real terrorists. You could be concerned about Chinese agents. I mean, there are lots of you could be concerned about the murder rate, which is skyrocketing. It's up 30% in the country in one year. There are a lot of good things the FBI should be concerned about. But parents who are angry because the school boards are mismanaging the school systems strikes me as something that's part of absolutely our right to petition government, our right of free speech. And I think that it's because of that, as people watch it, that you now have something like 58% of the country is genuinely afraid of the federal government and says the federal government is a real threat to their liberty. My point in taking you through all this is, in all honesty, I don't have language to explain a group who reject reality on this scale. I mean, I don't know if they're so deeply immersed in a secular religion, which is something that Theodore White in the making of the president in 1972 said that the great problem that McGovern faced was that the liberal ideology had become a liberal theology. And as a theology, it could not be questioned. He may have been very prescient. We may be dealing with not a political problem, but a theological problem. I recently spent some time on Netflix watching fascinating series on the Medici in Florence. And the Medici's period of dominating Florence is interrupted for about a decade, a little more than a decade, by a populist orator priest named Savonarola. And he whips up the city, creates a basically dictatorship, burns books that he decides are inappropriate, basically is a revolutionary. As I watched Savonarola, I couldn't help but think of AOC and the squad and the whole attitude of the left that they are going to impose on us, whether we like it or not. And I just talked to a good friend who herself has a friend who's having to go through a Maoist-type public self-denunciation because he said the wrong things. And if he didn't publicly apologize for having had the wrong thoughts, he'd be fired. Now, that's a kind of groupthink that we associate with Stalin's Russia, with Mao's China, but we sure don't associate it with the United States. And so I wanted to walk you through all this because I think that if one, if we can get everybody to understand these really are big government socialists, that's about 16% of the country. It's one out of every six Americans. They will suffer the kind of defeat that labor suffered in Great Britain under Thatcher, and the socialism has suffered now for over 40 years. On the other hand, I also think that when you're dealing with this kind of a problem and you've got these kind of challenges, there's something much more fundamental going on that we don't understand and that we don't have words for. And so I'm really interested for any of you who want to let us know at English 360 your thoughts on this. I'd love to hear from you and have you write in. Tell us if you've got some language you think might work. I am really eager to hear from you because I will tell you, I think this is one of the greatest periods of change in American history. I think that the tensions that are building are enormous. I think that the danger of the left trying to come in and literally use the power of the government. Look what they're doing on this whole mandate issue. I mean, it's one thing to say you ought to get vaccinated. I've, both Clist and I have been vaccinated twice. It's another thing to say 
if you don't get vaccinated, we're going to hound you out of society. We're going to kick you out of the Navy and take away your benefits, including your veterans' benefits. We're going to get you fired, and you won't be eligible for unemployment. This is such a coercive use of government power that it flies against everything in the American system. I looked back, and frankly, the closest I could find outside of wartime was John Adams' effort with the Alien and Sedition Act at the very beginning of the Republic when he tried to make speaking against the government illegal and a criminal offense, and it was thrown out. And it was one of the reasons that the Federalists disappeared as a political party. Well, I think you're seeing the same thing. I think what Biden is doing, and I said this on Laura Ingram recently, what Biden is doing by imposing a mandate on the American people for vaccinations while doing nothing about illegals who come in the country without vaccination, is he, in effect, is favoring illegal immigration while punishing the American people. Now, the idea you'd have a president who would favor illegal immigrants while punishing Americans, we just don't have any language that explains this kind of behavior. And that's why I wanted to spend some time today. I'm confident we're going to win next year. I think the senatorial committee and the congressional committee and the Republican governors are all going to do very well next year. But I think for us as a country, we need a deeper conversation than just partisan politics as usual. And we need to try to understand what's going on and why it's going on and how you could have an administration this much against the American people and this much unwilling to learn from its own mistakes so it continues to go down the road of being more and more and more dangerous. It's truly, I think, one of the most dangerous periods in American history. And I have no idea how it's going to end up because I have no idea what extremes the Biden-Harris-Schumer-Pelosi team are willing to go to to drive home their basically theological position of imposing big government socialism and imposing a radical rewrite of America. So I hope you found this interesting. I tried to be really honest in sharing my own confusion. I'm going to continue to work on it, and I'd love to hear from you at gingrich360.com slash ask newt. Thank you for listening. You can learn more about the NRSC on our show page at newtsworld.com. Newtsworld is produced by Gingrich 360 and iHeartMedia. Our executive producer is Debbie Myers. Our producer is Garnsey Sloan. And our researcher is Rachel Peterson. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Penley. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich 360. If you've been enjoying Newt's World, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcasts and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. Right now, listeners of Newt's World can sign up for my three free weekly columns at gingrich360.com slash newsletter. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Work.